Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons, only on the Horn. Welcome back to the Sports Complex on a Monday afternoon. On the show today, we will get in to some uh, national championship volleyball. Another good win by the Texas Longhorn men's basketball team. Some new additions to Texas football that are coming in strong and fast today. Those are coming in. We'll also get in uh, to a little bit more. We're going to start talking a little bit more this week about Texas and Washington in the Sugar Bowl. Patrick's Big Fat Poll today, some NBA talk. The Spires finally break that long losing streak. And, of course, some NFL talk. Myself and Jacob both very upset last uh, yesterday for different reasons. We'll get into all of that. And, of course, your text messages, 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776 is the text line. You guys drive the show. We just try to keep it on the rails. Uh Appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, my name is Patrick Davis. With me across the way, there is Jacob Standard. Uh, I would ask you how your weekend was, but I have a feeling I know how your weekend was. No, go ahead and ask me. Uh, uh, other than Sunday afternoon, how was your weekend? My weekend was great. Even Sunday afternoon, man. It's the holidays. I have no time to be upset right now. <laughs> Absolutely none. I, I, I love the positivity. We're going to get an NFL uh, in the 5 o'clock hour. You know me, man. Just a ray of sunshine. We'll see if that positivity continues in the five o'clock hour. I love it though. I love the the positivity. I look. I get it. I was I was watching the game. I was not thrilled with with uh, some of the games I was watching for different reasons. Oh, there were games this weekend. There were some games this weekend. There I must have missed it. I was having too much holiday joy. <laughs> you were having too much holiday joy. Uh, we can say on Saturday though there was some really good news uh, for the University of Texas as the volleyball team goes on to repeat as national champions, defend their national championship in a sweep against Nebraska in the finals. Uh, just pretty dominant. They were It was started off a little close in that first set, and then after they kind of pulled out and won that first set, it looked like Texas was able to just kind of control the momentum for the rest of the, the, uh, the match. Yeah, Madison Skinner and AJ O'Neill doing their thing, man. They, it really is entertaining to watch them just be so much better than everyone else on the court. It seems like they yeah. can do whatever they want, whenever they want to do it. Yeah, and it was a it was a great win to see them get another national championship, and that everybody was celebrating. The tower got lit with the big one on it. Did you hear how you they did it? How they, what? they had to do it manually, so there was an ele- electrical issue. It was getting some electrical work done, so they right. had to go floor by floor and adjust the windows and light it manually. <laughs> hey, yeah. you know what? You got to do what you got to do. You got to do it when the team comes through and gets a national championship. Uh, there was some uh, shade thrown after it by the Nebraska head coach. Oh, did he say anything? Uh, he was. Uh, he's apparently. Uh, the Dabo Sweeney of volleyball and upset that there's change and that things have moved on and there's transfers now. And he does things the right way, though. Grow up. Uh, but I'll tell you, Texas seems to do things the right way because uh, if you're going to look in the history books, they will not say Nebraska second place, but did it the right way. But did it the right way. <laughs> they yeah. will not there's be no- in there. It'll be <laughs> Texas is your defending national champions at volleyball. So it was great to see that win, uh, to watch that, you know, within – the NFL schedule to have that have that on a Sunday and great win on ABC. Uh, great to see that. So, do we have to put asterisks next to national champions now? Has transfers on the team? Do we have to? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I bet they have transfers on the team. Oh, they just don't have as many. I don't, look, no, I tell you. I not tell Nebraska. You. They don't not have Nebraska. any. No, they do things the right way. They do things the right way. Yeah, what an idiot. Uh, but. And look, I guarantee he's going to go in the transfer portal and try and get some people right now too. <laughs> He'll go and try and do it because everybody does it, and then you just you lost out in the transfer portal. And I bet he wanted Maddie Skinner when she was in the transfer you look portal. Look at them. You look at them. They got fourth and fifth year seniors. Well, did they have them last year when they won it? Yeah. I mean, 
Well, okay, but 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 they beat us, so I don't like it. I don't like it. It's just bad. It's bad form to have sour grapes, and it's the one thing that coaches need to keep remembering about the transfer portal is they love a twenty-one-year-old that is at their program. A twenty-one-year-old that is transferred is now a forty-five-year-old man and is a, can take all the slander in the world. Just you can go drag him through the mud. Yeah. <laughs> I, I never, I'll never get why all of a sudden it's okay to criticize these kids the second they're gone. But if you criticize them while they're not transfers, then 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 that's a terrible thing that every reporter should be taken out for. <laughs> it's just a weird, it's a weird thing that these coaches have. Uh, also, Texas basketball beats LSU, and it was a pretty dominant win uh, by Texas. They, they had a really dominant first half, came back in the second half, played pretty well in that second half as well. We saw the return of Dylan DeSue in this game, which was a much welcomed uh, debut for him this season. 17 points, four rebounds, and five assists in the game. He goes four for eight from the field, nine of nine from the free throw range. Mm. Was able to get underneath, and Texas wins the game. Uh, Texas gets a win, 96-85. to 85. They led basically the entire game. They scored 51 seconds in the first quarter. Uh, and then 50 seconds in and never never trailed the entire game. Uh, was able to play good uh, good enough defense against the LSU team. And this is a matchup where you see it, where this is a matchup against another Power 5 team. And while they're not a great Power 5 team, they're another Power 5 team. So the teams you've been playing that are not, you know, the Houston Christians and all those schools, and yeah, I believe you have Texas A&M, Corpus Christi coming up. Those are schools that are coming at you, and this is their, the pro- this circled on their schedule. Hey, take it easy on the Islanders. Right. No, no, but I'm just saying it's circled on their schedule. For LSU, I don't think this game was really circled. I think they wanted to have a good matchup against a ranked team. Sure. But it's not the be-all, end-all. They basically had one player that decided to go all out on it. Jordan Wright had 33 points uh, and really played a good game for the uh, for LSU. But other than that, Texas was able to get their job done. You were, you were able to go inside. Uh, this was not Caden Shedrick's best game. He only played 18 minutes. Uh, he was. You could see he was kind of trying to adapt to Dylan DeSue being on the court, and now that it is Dylan DeSue's team, that he's coming back, that he was the star of the March Madness until he got hurt last year, that I think that they were kind of, you know, he was letting it go a little bit and saying, okay, let let me, you know, work with him. Right. As opposed to him coming in and me being the big dog. And so he stepped off a little bit. He went two for six. So, you know, he's going to have to improve. They're going to have to figure out how to work together. You've still got two more non-conference games or three more non-conference games until you get to conference play. Uh, on January 6th against Texas Tech, I believe, is when you start conference play. So you still have a little bit of time to they'll, get there. They'll get that figured out. Yeah. But you did see some things you like to see. Uh, their field goal percentage this game was 54%. So while LSU is not a great defensive team, they were able to hit shots. Tyrese Hunter went 8 for 11 in the game. That hey. is a very welcome sight. And something else you like to see in this, uh, they shot free throw, I mean, three-pointers. They, they shot 50%, but I think the bigger number is they only shot 23s. They were able to go inside. They were able to attack around the basket. And you want to see that more as this Texas team progresses throughout the season because you're not, if you're not shooting a high percentage of three pointers and you're not, you know, you have to find the ones that are going to be good shots that are the right player and the right time to take them. And you let Max A. Smith go. He takes uh, nine of the, the 23s. He takes nine of them, hits four. Brock Cunningham goes three of four. If he goes, shoots, uh, that percentage, then you're always going to be looking pretty good. That's all you need from them, too. But you didn't really have you didn't have anybody else. Uh, Terry Hunter went two for four and three, but a lot of other guys shot one. Kendall Weaver, by the way, another good game from Kendall Weaver. Uh, really playing himself. He's going to play himself into some more minutes as the season goes on. I think you wanted to see Chris uh, Chris Johnson kind of get some more of those minutes because he is a freshman that could could be a difference maker. But he's going to have to prove himself on the defensive end. We know what he can kind of do offensively. Right now, Kendall Weaver is. Energy personified coming off the defensive end, going up for shots, and sometimes he gets a little out of control. Yeah, but when you talk about someone coming off the the bench to bring energy and bring defense when your team maybe is getting a little tired and maybe you know things aren't going your way, you didn't hit a couple shots, and you need someone to come in. You don't always need a guy to come in and just start lighting it up offensively. No, you just need somebody with spark, any kind of spark. And so I think that's where you're going to see. It Horton only played uh, 13 minutes. He didn't hit his shots. I think It Horton's coming in for offense. If he doesn't hit then you're going to see Kendall Weaver take a lot of those minutes up because he can play defense, and he's going to run down the court and space the floor for you as well on those fast breaks where he's either going to be pulling a guy and getting ahead of you running. Uh, I, he's just going to be an important part for them in the sense of if IT Horton's hitting coming off the bench, then he's going to be the guy. Right. 
you know, he he will continue to progress and they'll put him in because if he can hit threes, he can shoot well, he'll play good enough defense, but his offense will be there to, to carry him. Sure. But if he misses like he did, he went 0 for 1 from 3, 0 for 3 uh, from the field. He didn't get to the free throw line. He's just kind of got to get a little bit more comfortable playing with this Texas team as well. I think the fact that, you know, they were they did have two bigs and at least all or two or three bigs at all time kind of made it a little bit more clunky in the middle. Right. And the, you know, he wasn't getting the open shots that he was normally used to getting. They weren't doubling off him as much. Dylan Mitchell still gets 12 points with the return of Dylan DeSue, which you like to see. So there was a lot of positives to get in this. I, I mean, I think when you kind of look at it at the end of the day, they didn't necessarily statistically blow LSU out of the water at any point, but they just outplayed them. They controlled the game. Took some better shots and hit some better shots. Controlled the pace of the game. Dylan DeSue coming back is huge for this Texas team, though. Uh, as you know, three more games to kind of get him into shape and get him where you need him to be. He's clearly not a hunter. You can still t- see there's points where he kind of was favoring the there. foot, maybe, and yeah, and those types of things. And, and he always, we've always said, he always looks like the baby deer. He still has that in him <laughs> that he just kind of looks a little clunky at points, a little un- uncoordinated, and uncoordinated. Yeah. But it's he works. It's what Dylan DeSue does. I mean, he's able to get down there and hit those shots. He had that one flotation station that turned into an alley-oop. Hey. And you were like, I don't know if that was an assist. I mean, it is because I believe Dylan Mitchell was the one who got on the other side and dunked it. Right. No, it does go in the books as an assist, but you're like, were you trying to pass that? I think you were shooting because that looked like the flotation station shot from last year, and he just pushed it too hard. (laughs) Uh, But it worked. And I think that'll be one that even if they look in film and go, well, that was a shot. Like, let's work on that because if they're doubling off of you when you turn around with that and you go up and you see the double and you see the other guys open, throw it up. And if it's Shedrick or it's Dylan Mitchell, just cut to the basket. Get that easy bucket. Still counts for two points. Exactly. And it's an easier shot now because he doesn't have to hit one in double coverage. He has to throw it near the rim. Right. And you'll go up there and grab it and dunk it down. Give it a little bit of pace. Possibly something we'll see going forward. We'll see what Rodney Terry does. But it was good to see them on a neutral neutral floor in Houston. Uh, The Halal Guys Tournament. (laughs) What? Who's the halal guys <laughs> tournament? Uh, that was uh, it was good to see him on a neutral floor. It was good to see Tyrese Hunter hit some shots. We know he's going to be a streaky shooter. Uh, we had not seen him do this though. But I think after that Marquette game, yeah, where he went back to Milwaukee and you know he went back to where it was kind of his place and he thought he was going to have a good game and just really stunk the joint out on that one. Did not play well. Put up a dud. He needed a bounce back game. Was able to get it in this one and, and it's a huge difference. I believe he won an MVP too, which was a giant. Hey, good for the him. Chain necklace thing. That's oh, that's sweet. No, it's not. That's sweet. No, <laughs> I'm gonna not? show. I'm gonna show you the picture. I'm all about big, ridiculous hardware. I'm gonna show Give you the picture. Him. It was. It's silliness. Oh, it's okay. just silliness. Even better. Uh, but yeah, good. Uh, good on the the uh, the Longhorns for the win there. And yeah, I believe they have three more games that are kind of against you know lesser opponents. Uh, Except until- the Islanders. The Islanders <laughs> are gonna give them fits. Give them fits. Yes, and for those of you listening, yes, I did go to Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Those are my Islanders. That's <laughs> the one time I will break my allegiance to Texas. You're <laughs> going to be rooting hard for them. I am. Uh, is that game Friday or Saturday? Um, I'll have to look it up. All right, that's okay. how much he's a big fan <laughs> of the Islanders. And we made the tournament last year. I, okay? I know I know it's Friday or Saturday that we'll be playing them. All right. Uh, we do want to talk to some, uh, some football, too, for Texas because it was a big day on the 40 Acres for Huge. football today. Uh, yesterday... Uh, Matthew Golden was able to come back and from Houston, the wide receiver. He had seven receptions for 88 yards and two touchdowns against Texas this year. Oh, yeah. So you remember him, and I remember talking, and me and Rob Babers and Aaron Hogan, we all talked about, man, this seems like a Sark guy. Right. This is a guy that seems like that. He's he's going to a junior season. He's going to be a big impact. He is is transferring to Texas, has announced his commitment to Texas. Uh, His average drop this season, I think that was a little bit more of – just that team not being as good and going into the Big 12 as well. The defense stepped up on them. His average went from 15 yards a game, uh, 15 yards per catch to 10 yards per catch. I think in Sark's offense, you'll see it boost back up again to about that 15. That big play receiver. And it'd be a big play receiver. We know what yeah. he can do. Big body guy. He's able to do a lot of things. So it's really good to see him come in. Then today, we get two starter, uh, we get two new uh, people coming in, both in the secondary, both going to be able to help out. One very soon. Uh, that we get uh, Andrew Makuba uh, from the three the, the safety out of Clemson. Tampering. Tampering. He's a three-year starter from Clemson. He went to LBJ. He's coming back home to Texas. He is going to be the starter there. An automatic help for them next season. 
you know, where there is some attrition in that safety position. And, and the, he gets to see his high school coach. It's a little familiar for him. Yeah. yeah. No, but he gets to come back to Texas. His family will be at the games. It's going right. to be a fun time. You know, maybe where he didn't necessarily maybe want to go to the SEC or maybe it was whatever the reason he's going to be in the SEC now. Right. Playing in a big conference. Well, maybe he felt like an outsider over there at Clemson, too. I mean, that's yeah. far away from where he grew up. No, and I mean, you you know, and Clemson isn't the same Clemson they were no, a couple years ago. No, not by any means. So, you know, he wanted to come over. So great to see him come in. And uh, Xavier Filsimi, as well, right before we came on the air, he has announced his commitment. A flip that he was committed to Florida. He has uh, announced that he has flipped his uh, commitment to Texas. Another five-star safety that is going to be coming in for Texas. So another big piece of that secondary that is, you know, Texas kind of working on that and building it up. They started trying to build the line. They're still trying to keep that line fortified, but they knew they needed help in that secondary, especially with some guys leaving this offseason. Uh, and two big gets for them today with Mukubu and Filsimi. I've seen some reports of people writing articles that Texas might have one of the best uh, secondary rooms in the nation coming up for the talent they have coming in. That's Projected. what you and that's what I you mean, need. That's huge. And that's huge. That's really what you need if you're Texas. You need to keep improving on that because you're going to try and keep building up. But if you want to get to those places that the elite defenses, which is what PK is trying to build, you know you can't have that. No, you stack talent on talent, and you can't and have the gap reason. of well, we we can make it one dimensional. Right. We can make them one-dimensional, but yeah. that one dimension, they could be real, real good. But that one dimension, they're probably going to beat us with it. Yeah, no, you I, need to be able to shut down everything. I do want to talk a little bit about Texas and Washington, too, before we go to break. Okay. Because, and I, I this kind of plays into it, because this is, Texas tries to make teams one-dimensional. And Texas tries to not be one-dimensional, not be ever be made into one-dimensional team. Yeah. And as we start to look at this Texas-Washington game, the first thing I kind of want to look at, because I think it is going to be a, a pivotal part of this game. I think there are several pivotal parts uh, that you kind of have to look at what Texas has to do and what uh, Washington has to do. I think the running games for both these teams, because if we look at last season's Alamo Bowl, okay, and we look at one of the things that really, really hurt Texas in that game was Bijan and Roshan being gone, then basically Sark basically just handing the ball off to Keelan Robinson. And the running game not really working the way it needed to for that offense to work. Yeah, everybody was really scared that Texas wasn't going to be able to run the ball at all this season. Because of the NBA, a lot of it's because of the ball against Washington. Right. So Texas needs to fix their running game. And for Washington's side, we'll start there for a second, that Washington, they basically have one running back that they're going to. Where Texas, where, you know, Jonathan Brooks is out, but they still have a plethora in a running back room. And different options. Stack talent on talent. For Washington, you're really going to worry about Dylan Johnson. Uh, he basically had 201 carries this year, 19 receptions. He didn't carry the ball a ton in the beginning of the year. Uh, but I think as the season kept going on, as you you know, you know get further into the season, you realize you need to have more and more of a run game. They find that he is the guy. He's able to get the most. He runs in a way that's favorable to their offense because it is not necessarily a, an explosive you know, he's going to carry the ball five times and get 10 yards on one and three on, and two on the others. Right. And he averages out, and you go, well, he averaged in four yards a carry. Yeah. And you say, well, no, but it's it's all one play. He is much more of an average. He is a downhill runner. He's going to get through. He likes to run inside. He likes to go get after, uh, goes to get after it. He's, you know, he's a thousand-yard rusher this season as well. So he falls into that category. He had 152 yards against Oregon. And two touchdowns. Oh, yeah. He had a huge game against USC. And in some of the games where we see where he really started to take over was after that Arizona State game for Washington this year where they it was the closest game. It was their lowest scoring game. And he basically was not used very much. I think eight carries in that game and did not have a big game at all. Eight carries for six. Yeah, so it didn't have that. <laughs> So this, for Texas, you cannot be made to be one-dimensional. You have to have your running game. You're going to have to figure out the way to go out there. But Texas has the advantage in this. Dylan Brooks is, or Dylan Johnson for Washington is not necessarily an electric outside runner. Right. Which is something that you may be able to get a little bit more on Texas on. Michael Pennings Jr. is not an electric outside running quarterback. Now, he's probably going to run the ball a couple times against Texas solely in the fact... He's probably an athlete. Well, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you can get outside and right. you can make them respect you... Because it, it, what it feels like in this game, where the more you look at the running back and how Dylan Johnson likes to run and how they're going to try and go, that they, they don't necessarily need to help out a lot in the running game if Dylan Johnson is the main back and he's going to be coming up the middle. Because he doesn't have breakaway speed, 
So you should be able to get, you know, a linebacker on him or, you know, an edge should be able to get to him. You should be going up the front. Now you're going to have to continue to be strong against a really good O-line of Washington. But if you're able to slow down Dylan Johnson and put him in to the, where you were able to put uh, uh, Ollie Gordon at the end of the season for Oklahoma State where you just kind of took him out of the game, I don't know if, if this Washington team – in the second half is going to go back to it. Yeah, so that's what's kind of interesting to me. Just to kind of further your point on his usage rate, after week three when they played Cal, he had 10 yeah. carries. After that, he doesn't have less than 16, and they were blowing people out with the exception of that Arizona State game that yes. you mentioned. Six or Eight carries for six yards. Washington scored 15 total points, and luckily for the Longhorns, if he tries to do that, they have a really big friendly monster in the middle that wants to give him a hug really bad. Yeah, and they have two. <laughs> They have to, yeah. Byron Murphy's there too. Right, he's no he's either. Either. Yeah. yeah, and so this is something that uh, when we're looking at this game for Texas and Washington, watching what they're going to be able to do with Dylan Johnson. If you're able to make take him out of the game and allow yourself to put more people in coverage and put yourself more people to stop the play and more pressure on these wide receivers, that even if they're going to be able to go down and get in front of you and get some of those catches and those bend but don't break plays that Texas allows in this secondary, they happen. You're going to make them not be able to get the huge plays over the top because you can put another guy back. Those safeties don't necessarily have to help out in the run game as much, right. which will be huge for Texas because it allows you to play a little bit more risky on your guys and play a little bit closer up on your your wide receivers with your DBs. It also allows Texas to scare the the receivers just a little bit more because you're allowed to have a linebacker ro- rotating out there in the middle of the field. Oh, yeah. That, that linebacker is waiting on the pass, and he's not worried about necessarily – you know, Dylan Johnson, he's shown a little explosiveness in the passing game, but he's only got 19 receptions this year. It's not like they're using him as a huge back out of the backfield. A couple other guys have a couple catches as well in the backfield. They may try and use some other guys, but Dylan Johnson's really been their guy. And it seems to me like he might be the secret piece to their scheme. Because if you look at, like, both games against Oregon, 20-plus carries, and that was some of their biggest point totals of the season. The USC game, like you mentioned, yeah. 26 carries. That's easily their biggest point total of the season. So I'm curious... If Tavondre Sweat shuts that down, and along with Byron Murphy, I'm curious yeah. how the scheme of their offense changes. And and it puts it into the, okay, well, if we were able to slow this down and we were able to put them in passing downs, Dylan Johnson also not the best pass protector in the world either. And he's, he's good enough for a college level, but not good enough for a pro level pass protector. So if you want to say that this is somebody that now it allows you to pass rush a little bit more as well because you're not as worried about the run play happening and getting blown up and, and losing him and rush those edges or rush a linebacker or rush somebody else and try and make Michael Penix Jr. make a mistake or get it out early and don't let him get it downfield, especially on you know short-fire passing downs. The real key is if you're able to make Dylan Brooks not as effective in the first half. Dylan Johnson. Dylan Johnson, sorry. Dylan Johnson, if you're making him not as effective in the first half, is it going to be able to make them get away from it in the second half. And we know that Oklahoma State kind of got away from it. Texas Tech didn't, and that's why Taj Brooks still had close to 100 yards against Texas. They also lost by 50. They did, but they (laughs) kept running the ball, and that's the only reason they had any yards. Yeah, Is do they, Dylan Johnson, do they try to continue to run the ball in the second half if Texas is able to shut it down, or do they just go straight to the passing game? We know that that's something else we have to talk about this week. Is does Tech, you know, is this, can Michael Penix Jr. win this by himself? And uh, with the wide receivers, can the, the passing game win it by themselves? That one will be interesting to get into because I was at the Kansas State game where Kansas State was known as a rushing team. And when yeah. rushing didn't work, they turned into a straight drop back spread offense, throw the ball around, and they started moving the ball on Texas with relative ease. There it is. And we'll get into that a little bit later this week. But I, there is something else to be said about that that you know what you know, you have a month to game plan for Washington throwing the football. Right. And right. I think this is the reason why I bring up running backs first is because I think this is an edge where Texas has where they don't have to spend a ton of time. Now, the bigger question for Texas running the ball is, OK, how much do we use each of our guys? How much do we use Keelan Robinson in the passing game? How much do we use him in, in the red zone? He was doing pretty well in the red zone for them. Do we use Savion Red at points in this game? Is it Jaden Blue? Are we trying to get him some explosive plays on the outside? We know C.J. Baxter is going to get used a ton in this game as well. But I think you have more options. And the question more for the offense is, how much do you run the ball outside? How much do you run it inside? How much do you try and get the explosive play from from the running back core? How much do you run each guy to kind of change it up and don't allow them to get comfortable? Get a beat on what you're doing. And, you know, the more you switch out your running backs for Texas, the more it makes 
the defense harder for them to figure out what the offense is doing. So Texas has a huge edge in this in this battle because you have Devondre Sweat on one side and because you have a running back room with four guys who have done well in the last two or three weeks now that Jonathan Brooks is out. And they all do different things. They all present different problems. Yes. And so for me, this is something that when we start looking at this game, we start looking at the problems and things that can help out Texas. This does seem like it's going to be a higher scoring game. That This game could turn into a shootout at a point. And a lot of people, when they look at a shootout, don't think, oh, man, Texas, uh, oh, te- the running game is so important in a shootout. But it is because the running game is to give your defense a little break and, and run the clock for just a little bit in time of possession. And that's what starts a shootout. That's yeah. what gets them to come downfield and try to stop it, and all of a sudden you're behind them. I mean, yep. it's it, yep. four or five six-yard runs in a row turns into a 70-yard bomb down the field every time. And so for Texas, you're looking at this one, and Dylan Johnson, who's doing really well, He's been great, doing great, but how much of this is against Pac-12 defenses? Ooh. And how much of this, when you can go into it and see what Texas has been able to do to elite running backs in the Big 12, what can they do to Dylan Johnson? Uh, that, to me, is this is our kind of a Monday as we start to get into it. We're going to talk a lot more about NFL and everything, and as we get later in the week, we'll do more uh, Texas football. But this is not a big one because there's not a huge a lot of discussion about the running backs, right? There is Dylan Johnson's a good running back but he's kind of falls directly into what Texas wants him to do. And now you look at two with a month to prepare. Do they put one of their other guys out there? Uh, they'll have some tendency breakers. And they, you have to. They, you, they definitely You will. have to. Yeah. But how much can they work against Texas, and how much are you able to let those up? And at the end of the day, how much do you have to change your offense from the regular season to try and win a game? If you're the higher seed, you should be trying to do what you want to do. We know Sark, that's kind of his thing. I want to win football Texas way. Yeah, we do things our way. Now – you know, that can hurt you in points. It's hurt them this point in seasons when they, you know, when they were run, when Houston ran slants against Texas and we wouldn't change up what we were doing. That can hurt us at points. But at the same point in this game, I feel like Texas, you know, has an advantage in running. Go, we want to run the ball. We feel like we can do it against Washington. We feel like we can get on the edge and get to the outside and then we can come back inside and make them have to shift kind of personnel and how they're thinking about blocking, stopping the run game, put more personnel onto it, and then throw it over the top of you when you do. Yeah. Well, and Sark, Sark's not afraid to switch it up either because towards, no, towards the end of the season, he turned Jay Wood into a little bit of a deep threat whenever yep. he needed him. Yep. He would sneak him in on that shallow under and then send him screaming upfield on the seam. That's so. it. All right, let's do uh, the Big Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the day. We're going to talk more Texas and Washington all week long, get into it some more next week, and then we'll be right at game time on January 1st, which uh, none of us can wait for. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the day on the horn. All right, let's start it off because we talk about the running game and we know Texas has had issues in the red zone, but we've now seen the Texas start to figure out some of those red zone issues, start to use some other guys when they were just trying to run the ball up the middle with Jonathan Brooks. It didn't necessarily always work, but now you have C.J. Baxter who's gotten through and got some big plays. You have Keelan Robinson who's been using this red zone. Uh, and then you also have a guy like Jane Blue who can break some big ones. And you have a lot of different options. Savion Red using the Red Cat as well. That's just to mention the running backs. Right. Wide receivers could be in this play. We could have a lot of different options. But my question for you today, text lines open, 512-447-3776. Who will score the most tor- touchdowns in the Sugar Bowl? And I'll say for Texas. I won't, you know, if you want to be and say it's going to be Contrarian. Uh, Dylan Johnson. or And, I'm, and we're not going to say Quinn Ewers or Michael Penix Jr. either. That's easy. Because we're saying Unless action, you want to count rushing. Unless you want to say rushing. But I don't. four passing touchdowns is yeah. not what I mean. Right. Who's going to be walking into the end zone? Tavondre Sweat. <laughs> once on defense, once on offense, baby. To Andre Sweat. So that's it. Who's who will score the most touchdowns in the Sugar Bowl for Texas? Is it going to be? And we're not saying quarterback. So no Quinn Ewers in this. Uh, do you think it's going to be a wide receiver? Do you think it's going to be a running back? Who do you think it's going to be? Tell us on the text line five one two four four seven three seven seven six. If you want to tell us why too, we always appreciate that. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. We'll get into a little NBA talk. And start to get to your text messages. Here on the Sports Complex and the Horn on the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app at hornfm.com. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn. Break a day. They call me back to 
back on the sports complex here on the horn. Musical theme of the week. Just some uh, some interesting, fun, different Christmas songs for you as we get to yeah, Christmas next week. This is a classic. It's Clarence Carter back in the day. Wow. Clarence Carter back in the day uh, doing Backdoor Santa. Solid song. <laughs> it's a great song. Back If you don't know Backdoor Santa, this is a solid song from Clarence Carter. Clarence Carter also of Stroking fame. Oh, <laughs> all right. Clarence Carter's the best. Welcome uh, to the week. <laughs> we'll get you into that. We have some different songs. So if you this is you know if you need to spice up your Christmas playlist, I know a lot of people kind of keep it you know pretty. I have I have the more diverse Christmas playlist. So I'm gonna okay. play some of those. I like it. I'm here for it. Uh, kind of get you you know get you in the mood. Look, I'm still not in Christmas mode at all. We're a week away. I've done I've done most of my shopping. Okay. I've got it done, but just because I've been busy and doing everything else, I haven't got I don't feel like I'm in the mood at all. Yeah. Not in there, so I'm trying to play some music to you. To okay, well let's work on that. Week. Let's get you in the Christmas spirit this week. I mean, we're almost there. We're right there on it. We we are getting pretty we're a week away. Yeah. Which feels like it's it does not feel like a week away. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I don't it, but then I, I think it's just me getting older too. That every year I'm like, it doesn't feel like it. I'm like, yeah, because I'm not gonna get anything. And I, that was kind of the whole great part about Christmas, wasn't it? Oh, come on. That whole great part about Christmas when you were a kid was like, I get a bunch of stuff. You get time off and a bunch of stuff, and yeah, now it's I like super I don't get a ton of time off anymore, and I don't get much stuff, which I don't, I'm not complaining. You get three days. Three days. I do get three days off. I three extra days off, which is, you know, great. It's great. But uh, that's what we're going to do. Uh, big fat poll today. Text line's open. Who will score the most touchdowns in the Sugar Bowl for Texas? Uh, we're not saying Quinn Ewers, unless you say he's going to run the ball in like three times. Uh, but we're saying people actually crossing the goal line to score these touchdowns who we're talking about. Uh, we'll get that on the text line. Uh, let's talk a little NBA, though, before we get to the text line, Jacob. Okay. Uh, and let's get into uh, a couple stories from the Warriors over the weekend that came out. First, you know, the Warriors are an interesting team as they have been, uh, you know, a dynasty in, in in basketball for the last few years. Then everybody felt the dynasty was over, and they won another championship. And now it really, really feels like this may be the end of the dynasty and one of those pieces is Steph Curry's uh, three-point streak. He had 200-something games with so 268 games. Yeah, so how many – that's that three straight – three and a half straight seasons? Yeah, that he had not missed it. He had a three-pointer in every single game Whew. for that amount of time. He then misses – goes oh, – or doesn't hit a shot in the game over the weekend. He is now – had to reset that. Yep. And the conversations are now starting for people that uh, have uh, short attention spans and don't can't last long for things – that are they now going to waste away? Is Golden State going to waste the end of Steph Curry's prime years? Come on, because of what's happening with Draymond, what's happening with Clay Thompson not playing as well. The fact they have not developed their young talent, and you know they were able to draft James Wiseman, and they basically gave him away because they couldn't develop him, and he wasn't the right pick. Kaminga's playing okay, but he's not getting a ton of playing time. Wiggins not having his best year. You also have Moses Moody who can play some offense but can't play any defense, and. You know, people are starting to worry about this team, about Golden State, and they're just an interesting team to watch before until we get into kind of the second half of the season, if they can turn it around. One of those pieces we also found out that Draymond Green, who got an indefinite suspension, yep. is working with the uh, NBA and Adam Silver. He said he's going to start counseling. He started counseling today. But we thought this may be one of those things where it's like, I'm going to counseling, like the John Morant counseling that I think lasted like five games. I don't think so. I, I think something, because Draymond's always been a little annoying, but something is seriously wrong this yeah, time. Yeah, he's not as good at basketball anymore. I agree, but I, I don't know. I, I, I tend to think there's more to it, even though I would like to think it's just Draymond being Draymond. I think he's seeking real help for real issues this I think time around. I think he's trying to seek help as well, because and I, I, I honestly believe there's some other stuff, but I think he wants to be better at basketball again. <laughs> and he thinks, well, if I get counseling, maybe maybe it's mental. Maybe it's a mental it block could be. why I can't hit threes. And you're like, well, you never was a good three-point shooter. <laughs> Maybe it's a mental block why I'm slower. No, you're older. <laughs> Nobody let Patrick talk to Draymond. He does not need this right now. No, because he beat the crap out of me. <laughs> that man hits people on a whim. <laughs> uh, but he is now, the report is expected at least out three weeks. Yep. That apparently is starting counseling that they've talked and basically said, you're not going to be able to accomplish anything in two weeks. And the reason I, bre- is I believe it was John Morant was the one that they were like, he's going to start counseling, and then was back like a week later. <laughs> you're like, what did they go through in a week where they're like, hey, man, you got to say bring guns around. He's like, you're right. I've changed. He's like, <laughs> like you, know, you know when you're watching an episode of TV and you're like, there's no way they wrap this up in like three more minutes, and then they do. Jaws is, is weirder, though, because he was telling on himself. 
he was well because well th- here's the difference though. John Morant is a younger man. Yes. So John Morant is just young and dumb, right. and you know he's he's had a ton of success and a ton of fame and a ton of people around him, and you know making mistakes because he's he just doesn't know any better. Yeah, Draymond's been around the block a couple times. Draymond has had these issues for years, and they're getting worse now. That's the as opposed to they were worse and then got better. Yeah, he is now they're extending. It's just happening more and more and more common. So that's a little bit different, but now they're saying out three weeks. So this is is Draymond. You know, when he comes back, you're assuming he'll be back, uh, in January. Yep. But he could take longer than that. Uh, he is. I mean, I, it'll be interesting to see if there's a point in this where they reach a mediation with the Warriors to give him some of his game money. If he only punches one player per game for, <laughs> per the, game. Rest, for the rest of the season, can he come back and play? No, it's not. I don't because I think the three weeks is plenty long enough suspension for Draymond Green. Yeah, because he's not getting paid, right? It's millions yeah. of dollars, right? Uh, that's a big penalty. Yeah, and we've seen. We'll, and we'll talk more about John Moran tomorrow because he's coming back to play tomorrow. Ooh. And you know, he's talked about how it's it sucks. It really sucks that when you're when all you want to do is go play basketball and you work so hard to get to a point, and then you're watching your team suck out there. It's difficult because you're like, I could help, right? I can't get in. And I screwed it up. So we'll see what he's – but Draymond Green, that's big news that it's out three weeks because I really thought it was going to be a week and a half to two weeks. So do you think they're wasting the end of Steph Curry? Is the dynasty done for sure? I, I think they should have sold. I think they should have, as soon as they won that last championship, blown up the team. Really? Like blown it up hard because you were already well past your window at that point. You got one. And, and you got yeah. another one out. There's no way you're repeating after that. Yeah. So just say, all right, get rid of everybody, start over, keep Steph Curry, and you have a bunch of young guys, some picks, you got, you know – you. Be able to come out of this and go, let's get some healthier guys in here. Let's try and reset this. How do you possibly sell that to your fan base that we're blowing up the team that just won a championship? The team that you love, the dynasty that we built for you. Uh, Draymond Dream punches Jordan Poole, and you all go, cool. Yeah, he punched a guy in practice. <laughs> and you spin the narrative the other way that this team is is become. And then Clay Thompson, you let him talk for five minutes, and everybody will be like, yeah, this guy's a jerk. Yeah. This guy, his dad's an NBA player, and he's like, I was so, I've had to work so hard. We're like, we get you worked hard to get where you're at, but you were also genetically gifted to be able to do this. Well, he's talking about coming back from the injury. I get it, but there's a point where he's he's not also the most humble person in the world. No, he is not. So you're, I, if you were the Warriors, you could spin it real easy getting rid of those two guys. People would be That's mad fair. about it, but you could spin like neither one of those guys are necessarily the most likable people. That's fair. They're not guys where you're like, oh man, it's such a such a shame. Like Manu Ginobili, like you could spin getting rid of Tony Parker on the Spurs. Whoa, you could have spun it because you would have gone like, look, he's sleeping with other people's wives. Uh, gone, All right, we get it. But oh. Manu Ginobili, you couldn't because Manu Ginobili is just such a likable person. Sure, I get that. So that's what I'm saying is the likable people versus – like you couldn't spend getting rid of Steph. No, absolutely not. And you that's, could never. And so that's where I've got – and I get some people like Clay Thompson a lot and some people like Draymond Green a lot. I get that. I, I'm just saying overall they're not the most likable people in the world. I get because that. Because they come off they're, – they're cocky because they've earned it. Yeah. No doubt. And they, they feel that they have every right to be cocky about it. So, you know, they've done more than I could have done, so they can be cocky as they want to be. But if you want to spin it however you can spin it, I would have blown it up then. I mean, Bob Myers clearly left the team. Like, their GM <laughs> left because he knew he knew he was too late. He's he like, couldn't fix it. He's like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. So I'm saying if you were going to stick around, I would have gone, yeah, blow it up because there's two options, which is one is, is we're going to fade away and it's just going to go away. And then we're going to hope. But we already got the draft picks. Like, you already got the point where you got all those draft picks that you made great trades for and were able to bring guys in, and you just haven't been able to make those guys work. But that's like that's how the Spurs won. Their last one was Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. is was you got really lucky, or that Spurs dynasty would have flamed out well before it did, but they ended up getting a future MVP. Who later stabbed the city in the back. He did, he did. <laughs> he did, he did. Uh, but speaking of the Spurs... They did get a finally victory, ended their 18-game losing streak. Did they? Uh, they were playing the Lakers on Friday. They won 129-115. to 115. Anthony Davis was out, so the Spurs were able to get to the paint and score at will. Uh, LeBron James had an okay game in it, but it was. And then reality was Devin Vassell went off in that game. 36 points from Devin Vassell. He is kind of a real big piece for this Spurs team <laughs> that you can tell when he's shooting well and scoring well, this team can go and now everybody else can get shots because you're having to focus over on Devin to sell more, and you're double teaming on Devin to sell. And it gets Victor Wembanyama more one on ones where he can go and do what he wants to do. Gets everybody else going, but he's just not been consistent enough by scoring when he starts to get double teamed. That if he's not hot, they lose to the Pelicans one forty six to one ten on uh, Sunday. Vassell scores thirteen in that game. Yeah, and so you just have to be able to bring. 
Vassell really needs to be the guy because Victor Wimanyama, as we we know he's going to be the guy in the future, Vassell's supposed to be the best scorer on this team right now. He's supposed to be the guy leading this offense right now. And Wimby's supposed to be the compliment. Yeah, because he's a, he's a rookie. Right. You're supposed to get yeah. Vassell, and then Wimby can clean stuff up because he's really good around the rim. And the more you get him near the basket when a shot's going up, the more offensive rebounds and putbacks you'll get from him. He's getting a lot more physical around the rim. He is because he late. knows, and because he doesn't want to lose. Right. And I mean, if you saw them, it was, it was not the Spurs you wanted because, like, I and I get it, and I'm there's no, I'm not showing any shade on the Spurs on this, but you could tell it was a team that lost 18 straight, and they're celebrating a regular season win. Like it was an in-season tournament. They needed it, man. They needed, they needed it, it bad. And, and they, the fact they were able to do it handily and it wasn't last-second shot, but you see that and you're like, man, this team really needs to find some wins so that you don't have to celebrate every win like that. And I get it, but that's not a great – it's not It's not a great sign for the future that you're just like, well, finally. Is it as bad as hanging an in-season tournament banner? No, the Spurs are hanging a banner for that, though. For that win. Yeah, they beat the in-season tournament oh, winners. Oh, okay. We beat the first ever in-season tournament winners. No, it is Got funny. It. I, and I Honestly, I don't think the Lakers want to sign it. I think you had the right take on this. I think the NBA is pushing it because they want to make it more relevant. They want it to be They, they want, want it to, to be a thing, something. so they want to put up a banner. I don't think the Lakers had uh, would want to do it. Well, I think they do because I think the players want it to succeed as much as the NBA does, so that way when they sell it, the, but players, the, players, the players don't decide to hang the banner either. I don't think the Lakers organization— They can push for it. They could. I, I really think this was much more an NBA. Whoever wins, here, you're, we'll pay for the banner. Treat the this, banner's going up. Treat this like a championship. Yes, because we need this to matter. I think that was – you had that point. I think that's dead on that they, they just – the NBA goes, we need this to matter. Hey, we put a lot into this. And, and, look, and you want to say the, the, the players making more money. The owners are going to make a ton more. Oh, yeah. Because this is all about TV rights, and their ratings just went up. And so they go, okay, well, we're making more and more money. Now we are happy. Yeah, it's good for everybody if it works out and takes off. Yeah, so I think that's what it would be. Uh, also, uh, we'll say tonight the Mavericks are playing against the defending champion, the Nuggets. Yes, they are. Uh, Luka is sick. Derek Lively is out. Or Kyrie Irving is out. Josh Green is out. Maxi Kleba is out. Uh, what an injury report. Luka Doncic is uh, probable with uh, sickness. Ooh. They are now eight-and-a-half-point dogs in this. I I think Luke will play, but he'll probably play less minutes. They're going to have to, at some point, start pulling back his minutes. I know he doesn't want to, and it's hard to pull out when you have any, you know that level of player to pull him out of games. But you're going to have to do something at some point because he is just uh, really hurting himself at this point down the stretch because you just can't go at that pace, especially playing during the offseason too. Right, It's just such a, a huge pace to play 38 minutes a game and, and the amount of shots and times the ball is in his hand and, and then – it's just a lot. And if he's if he's sick, if it's an illness that's going to keep him out, uh, playing up there in the altitude, getting minutes like that, that's going to be tough. Yeah. So I, I the, probably not the best game for Mavs fans. It's on NBA TV tonight, though. So if you want to watch that one, see some of your bench players play. Just check the box score later. Just Don't take, do it to yourself. Uh, if you want to watch Jokic go inside on uh, <laughs> Dwight Powell. <laughs> Four forty because Lively's out, Cleveland's out. That's going to go over well. Do we all know Dwight Powell is a force in the paint? We all know it. Jeez, Jeez. <laughs> I feel sorry for you guys. <laughs> Things ain't looking good for Dallas right now, but we'll talk more about that in the five o'clock. Easy, <laughs> easy. We'll talk more about that in the five o'clock. Gotta warn me. Ah, no, I don't. That makes it much funnier <laughs> if I don't. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back. We're gonna get to the text line. 512-447-3776. Who will score the most touchdowns in the Sugar Bowl for Texas? Uh, we are asking you. We're not saying Quinn. Michael Taff. Michael Taff with <laughs> multiple pink sixes. Multiple. <laughs> uh, and a fumble recovery. And a fumble recovery, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. Uh, is, that a, is that a pickup six? It's a, <laughs> yes. It's a scoop and score. Uh, scoop and score. That's yeah, what yeah, I was yeah. looking for. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll get into your text. Uh, on the text line. Anything else you want to talk about? Any other reports? Uh, bring those up on the text line. We'll get to those when we come back here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019 and 1260, the Horn app and com. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn. <laughs>
back on the sports complex on the horn. Keeping it rolling with some some not traditional Christmas music. I think I got this one, actually. You got this one? Is that Steel Panther? That is Steel Panther. Okay. That is Steel Panther. All right. The Sexy Santa. Yeah. It's a solid one. I recognize the I, the, the theme of the song and the voice. <laughs> you kind of gave it away for me. Yeah, Steel Panther is great. Oh, they're yeah. fantastic. Uh, they're good stuff. But yeah, there's some. I'm just trying to add to everybody's playlist... <laughs> If you know, it maybe you know, maybe you just need to get some of the family out of the house at the end <laughs> of the day, and you're like, oh, I got some Christmas music for it's you. It's the closing time song. That's the everybody leave. Everybody. You know, sometimes you need it. There was. <laughs> Can we put on some music? Oh yeah, I got some steel pants. Oh no, no. When everybody's just sitting around and they're like falling asleep in the chair, and you're like, you just go home. If you fall asleep, just go home. <laughs> you don't need to be here anymore. You don't want them to drive drowsy. Come on. Ah, take good an Uber. Get out of here. <laughs> get the presents in the trunk and get out of here. No, <laughs> you know, they, it's just time to go. That, that, it's more for me. This is because I'm a terrible person who doesn't like children. Is that it's always the end when the kids are just completely sugared up and they're done with it. Yeah. And the parents are like, well, we'll just have another cup. Like, no, get these monsters right. out of here. We, no one wants them. Like, we're all trying to now have adult time because we're all, we're all adults, the rest of them. And there's like two or three kids that are just like, I hate life. I don't want to be here. I want to play with my toys. And then my parents keep telling me I can't open anything because I'm not at home. So I just gotta, I'm just going to sit around and just be angry. They've asked and just every stare. I'm going to stare at a present for a while and then yeah. look at you and then be like, no. It's not yours. No, no, but they'll look and they'll be like, can I open this? And you're like, no, it's, it's a Lego package. Of course you can't open this. <laughs> uh, so no, but that's up. That's neither here nor there. But it's <laughs> something about there. Uh, some breaking news, though, we did just see. <coughs> Texas lands another one today. Really? Uh, Emory uh, Windsor, the four-star tight end from Georgia, is coming to Texas. He announced his intention to sign with Texas. So another big recruit Coming to Texas for Sark. They are doing great on a Monday. Sark has got to be having a pretty good Monday. Yeah, I would say so. And it sounds like he had a busy weekend. He had a busy weekend. You know, he's hanging out, going to on these visits. No, oh, yeah. And he's got to try, try and keep his guys. National Signing Day are, is on uh, Wednesday, I believe. Uh, so he has got, you know, you're trying to make sure no one else flips away from you. Yep. So you got to go get your guys and keep them on track and going. Then you're also game planning and starting up practices this week for uh, getting ready to start practices up for, for the Sugar Bowl. He's doing you're a lot. That. You're trying to get everything going. You're, you're working hard right now for Sark, but it, it seems like he's handling his business right now. Surely we can make this schedule a little easier for head coaches that have meaningful games coming up. No. This, this whole signing window and recruiting. I, they, and- the transfer portal window should probably change, but <laughs> I think the transfer portal window should change till after bowl games. It's I don't think it would hurt you that much. I know you have to do an enrollment anew, so that's why they do it, but the, if the transfer portal could got pitched back a little bit right so it's not just like it's open the day after you finish so all the bad teams are like well now everybody's out yeah and the good teams are waiting and you have guys like Lee murphy who wanted to play and then apparently was even told uh by they were like well if you want to you like we get it you transfer you can still finish out the season here Ooh. but he's like i can't because i, I have to go I to have other to go be there and, yeah yeah uh but they were willing to let him do it because they're like he's done everything right so we we have full full faith in him uh, let's get back to the text line, though. Uh, my man uh, Nate says, I don't want to hear that cowboy slander. Look, there may or may not be cowboy slander in the 5 o'clock hour. I, I can't. I can't. Ver- I don't even know the take I have yet on the Cowboys. Wait till you hear mine. I'm just going to wait and let Jacob kind of, you know, vent. And then about 730 when he's done venting, we'll see what my take is. Oh, no, there will be no venting. There will be <laughs> there will be hopeful optimism. So just be ready. Uh, Texter brings up the good point. The Nebraska volleyball team has a transfer. Yep, from UT. Really? Yeah, they do. Uh, Nebraska. <laughs> they tra- they have transfers though. Just so the, but know. we did it the right way. We did it. The, yeah, I, I don't have all these. We tried to take a player from the national championship team last I, year. I, and it I didn't am curious. Work. I am curious. We asked him today if he has the same take. Yeah, you asked him in the heat of the moment. I, I, but I, also, I know, and you should be as a head coach. You should know. In that's those, your job. You should know to not say stuff like that. Yeah, that's your job. You should be able to say, well, they have a lot of fourth and fifth year seniors, and they're doing great. But we have a lot of great people coming back, and we're we're looking to you know win the next two ourselves, and 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 do that. And you could still spin it in a way. Just go, coach. Speak. Props to them. They outplayed us yeah. today. Yeah. yeah. But, you don't yeah. have to. You don't have to cut a promo against them. No, but yeah, they, they don't, you don't have to go full Dabo. Never <sighs> go full Dabo. Well, they, nobody can go full Dabo. How many times has he made that run down that incline and never tripped once? You know why? Why? Whitey tighties. <laughs> you know he still wears them. 
You got to get that flexibility. He's got that full range of motion because full of his whitey tighties. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also get this. Uh, Makuba is a, f- a four-star. He was, but he's also a three-year starter at uh, at Clemson. At Clemson. So we can say he was a four-star coming out of uh, high school. He is now a five-star player. It's what we'll call him. Because uh, he's on Texas. Because he's coming to coming Texas. Coming to Texas is what made him a five-star. Yeah, it makes him a five-star. Right, because part of you. that five-star analysis is logical steps, and so coming to Texas is what made him yes, a five-star. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, keep the ball away from Washington is what CPAL says. Yes, I agree. That's one of the great parts of running the ball. It's what one of Texas' strength, how you help that defense that has been but don't break, is do not allow the other team to continue to have the ball in their hands. You do have to be worried of what you brought up last week, though, is sometimes that keep the ball out of the other team's hands is what has kind of let you down late in games. No, no, I agree. There's there's playing too conservative. Right. And then there's keeping the ball out of their hands because you're consistently moving the ball. And we know Sark, what he's done well at the end of the season is extending the pass, you know, extending the run game into the passing game with yes. Keelan Robinson and with Jaden Blue and with, you know, getting the pet little short passes out and those kind of plays or getting a little screen off to Xavier Worthy or something like that. That's kind of an extension of the run game. Yeah, where they're the not moving. not high risk, but you also get you know move the ball down. You stay in bounds. You keep the clock rolling. Yep. Uh, Texter says Nebraska volleyball coach that he recruited one of our players who transferred to Nebraska, Lexi Sun. Another one that's you know people are coming after him today. He's, he so deserves the, it. The internet's undefeated. Yeah, so how is. did you not how did you not think about that before you said uh, it? And you're saying Jaden Blue is going to be one. Get some uh, probably some out breaking out breakout plays against Washington. It could be. I'd be okay with that. I'm uh, with that one too. I think it's going to be AD Mitchell. Not sure if Washington can cover him. He's a beast. I do think the thing with uh, Adonai Mitchell is you wonder if they're able to guard him and Xavier Worthy, and who do they pick to guard at a certain point? You have to focus on someone. If you say, well, we got to put out help in the run, and we got to put a safety over on Xavier Worthy because we know they're going to him, well, now does Adonai Mitchell get open, and he's in single coverage, and he gets out? That's a very big possibility. I'm with you, too. Uh, Rod Guy from New Mexico says... Uh, there's going to be an asterisk. Should we resist Texas 23? Uh, volleyball champions beat down the number one ranked team in three state sets. I like that. I like that one. Yeah, uh, put that asterisk up there. <laughs> I think it will be uh, Jatavion Sanders with the most touchdowns. It seems to me that it might be the easiest for Washington not to focus on, which would be bad news for them because of the amount of talent he has. And Jatavion Sanders tight end is a guy that if you're putting more linebackers in the run game, so if you put safeties in the run game and you kind of bring up your safeties in, that's where the wide receivers kill you. If you use more linebackers to try and stop the run, then that's where Jatavion Sanders can get out. And if you try and put a cornerback on him, good they'll luck. be on him, but he's just gonna, you just throw high. Yeah, good and luck. He's got to keep going he's for gonna it. He's going to box out and catch jump balls all day. All right, day. we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into some NFL and more of your text messages here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com.